Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. So here's the question I'd like to pose to you this morning. Who's the worst boss you ever had? Some of you don't have to think that hard. It's the boss you got right now. Hopefully you're not an employee of Sunrise Church. (laughs) Who's the worst boss you ever had? You know, over the years, I've had a lot of bosses, some very good, some not so good. And uh, I think the worst boss I ever had was somebody that we'll call Bob. Now, uh, many years ago, I was working in a large multi-campus church similar to Sunrise, and I was overseeing a ministry that spread across all campuses. And I loved my boss. I looked up to him. We got along great. We respected one another. Uh, But then he moved on to bigger and better things, and I got a new boss. Ever been in that spot? And so the, the new boss, after just a couple of days on the job, called me up to his office and wanted to share with me an idea and get my feedback on it. So I came into his office, and he explained to me that he wanted to take the person who was overseeing the smallest campus with the least amount of experience and the least amount of responsibility and promote him to oversee the whole thing. I almost laughed out loud. Like, this is a joke, right? There's gotta be a hidden camera around here somewhere. Ever been in that spot where your boss says something and you laugh and then you realize, oh wait, they're serious. (laughs) They actually believe in this idea. And so I knew that I had to reply correctly here. So I gathered myself and asked a few clarifying questions. Just said, okay, just to be clear, you wanna put him in charge? Yes. Okay, do you know that he just confessed to me this week that he was struggling with his current job, much less all this new responsibility? Yes. And you know that the job you want to promote him to is the job I currently hold? Yes. We have a word for that. It's called demotion. Let's not sugarcoat it. That's exactly what was happening here. And so my boss went on for the next 20 or 30 minutes to explain to me what a great idea this was and how I'm going to learn to love it and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just sitting there and thinking, okay, I have one more question. And so I asked him, has this decision already been made or is this something you're still considering? So he leaned back in his chair a bit embarrassed and said, well, we've already made the decision. So what I felt like saying in that moment was, well, if you already made the decision, you actually don't want my feedback. So don't jerk me around like I actually had a say in the matter. That's what I wanted to say. But instead, I smiled, swallowed my pride, said, good idea, Bob, walked out of his office, and immediately began searching for new jobs. And in that one day, I was so angry that he didn't think I could do my job. I was so angry that he wanted to promote someone I thought was entirely undeserving, and I felt completely stripped of any motivation to want to work here anymore. And I know from talking with a lot of you, one of the biggest struggles in your life is your job. And so today we're continuing in our message series about dealing with difficult people in a series we're calling Reply All. And today's focus is, how do we reply when the problem is our boss? 
How do we respond to the authority figures that God places in our lives? So, if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, make your way over to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. We're going to start things off in chapter 18, and we've been looking at David as our example. And where we pick things up in David's timeline today is shortly after his defeat of Goliath. Now, most of you are familiar with David and Goliath. Goliath was the nine-foot-tall champion of the Philistines, and he challenged any soldier in Israel to defeat him in a one-on-one battle, and everyone was scared until a young kid named David stepped onto the field with his sling and his stone, and he sent a rock flying right between Goliath's eyes, knocked him backwards, cut off his head. David instantly became a hero. Everybody loved David, everybody that is, except for David's boss. Let's read together. This is 1 Samuel 18. We're going to start things off in verse 6. Read along with me. It says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? So David became a celebrity, and his star eclipsed that of the king. King Saul was once the guy receiving that praise and adoration. He was once the guy who's being heralded for his bravery on the battlefield. He was the one people were coming out to sing and dance about, but that was yesterday's news. Now the shiny new star on the scene was David. And so put yourself in Saul's shoes. How would you feel if some young gun in the organization was getting all of this praise and you were cast aside like an old pair of shoes? I bet you'd feel pretty angry too. And Saul got so angry that this was the moment in time where he totally lost focus. He lost focus on being a good boss, He lost focus on being a good king, but most importantly, he lost focus on depending and following his God with all he had. And on this day, his focus entirely shifted to getting rid of David, and nothing and no one was going to stand in his way, not even his own family. Let's continue to read. Drop down to verse 20. Now Saul's daughter Michael was in love with David, and when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. I think the only thing worse than having a bad boss is having a bad boss who's also your in-law. I mean, how do you get away from work? Where's the separation? How How do you get some space from the boss when he's sitting there at the dinner table? And Saul obviously didn't think very highly of his own daughter, He knew she was problematic. So he thought, well, if I give her to marriage, for marriage to David, she's going to ruin his life. More on that next week. Let's continue to read about how Saul spiraled down. 1 Samuel 19, verse 1. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. If you ever want to know what a bad boss looks like, here's an example in Saul. 
He is now making it public. He wants David gone. Some of you can relate. I bet some of you, either now or at some point, have had a boss who would publicly air other coworkers' dirty laundry, maybe walk around and threaten to fire people. Unfortunately for Saul, not only did his daughter love David, but so did his son. Jonathan and David became best friends. Jonathan became David's inside man, feeding him intel about his father's evil plots. And now David was aware of just how problematic things had gotten. So David is now carrying this knowledge in his job that my boss wants to kill me. Talk about a toxic workplace. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. But an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. While David was playing the lyre, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall, and that night David made good his escape. Saul had an interesting problem. He was tormented by an evil spirit. There is a a whole unseen realm of Satan and his demons that wages war against the people of God. And all this summer, in fact, we're going to take some time to talk about spiritual warfare. But for Saul, he was being tormented by the spirit, and what typically helped was soothing music. And it just so happened that David was a skilled musician who could play the harp really well. And so typically, David would come in and play this instrument, and it would soothe Saul's spirit, but not on this day. On this day, Saul picked up a spear, and he almost killed David with it. And David got up there and ran for his life. And this marked the beginning of a very painful season of David. He ran from King Saul. He ran from the kingdom. He ran for his life. And Saul kept hunting him down like an animal searching for its prey. Many scholars believe that this running lasted as long as four years. Can you imagine living under four years of this pressure of someone constantly trying to kill you? Some of you can relate on some level at your jobs that you've had a boss who's been coming for you for years and you've been doing your best to keep your head down and and just do your job and, and, and stay off the radar, but it's wearing you down and you're just not sure how much longer you can keep this up. How do you reply when the problem is your boss? Listen, I've been there, and I know that you could feel stuck. You know, I, I need the paycheck, but I can't handle the boss. You know, what do I do? And, and for a lot of us, I think we're hoping that some outside circumstances will come into the picture that will change our boss. What if that day never comes? I can't control how somebody else acts, but I can control how I act. And based on this scripture, I see a couple of key lessons we can learn from David in replying to a difficult boss. Saul totally lost his focus, but David maintained his. And I want to share with you a couple of ways we can remain focused if you find yourself in a situation where you're under a difficult boss. So if you're taking notes, these are worth writing down. Here's the first one. Number one, how do you reply to a difficult boss? Focus on learning, not on leaving. Now, when Boss Bob sat me down and demoted me, my instant thought was, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And so I started searching for jobs and filling out applications and got interviews. And some of these stretched over the course of months. And I spent so much time, but all of them fizzled at the 11th hour. 
And I kept experiencing rejection upon rejection. I'm crying out to God and saying, why is this happening? And I sensed God speaking into my spirit, just saying, stop running. I'm trying to teach you something, but you're going to miss it if you blast out of here. And I sensed God was telling me, I want you to learn, not leave. Maybe God is telling you the same thing. Let's turn again and look at the life of David and how this all panned out. This is 1 Samuel 20, verse 1. It said, Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he's trying to kill me? Now, to be clear, David did leave because his life was on the line. And if you're in a job where you're being abused, harassed, or exploited, then your priority has to be to leave and leave quick. But I'd be willing to guess that the vast majority of us are nowhere near that level of threat in our jobs. Now, if if the boss is breathing down your neck because of something that you did, you got to own that. You know, if you're not coming through on your job responsibilities, if you're you're acting lazy and cutting corners and showing up late, that's on you. Don't blame the boss for that. But that wasn't the case with David. He was totally innocent, and he's asking questions I bet you asked before. What did I do that I'm being treated this way? What's my crime? Jonathan, is it me? Did I do something? And the answer was, no, you didn't. David didn't. And for some of you, you didn't either. You are simply the victim of a bad boss. But here's a perspective to consider. Sometimes God puts us under bad leaders to train us how to become good leaders. And that certainly appears to be the case with David. God was stirring something, forming something in him. You know, Jesus' half-brother James had interesting words on the same topic when he said this in James chapter 1, verse 2. He said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Is it possible that the hardships that you're going through right now is God testing your faith so that he could develop within you a perseverance that is gonna guide you for the rest of your life? Many of you know that David penned a lot of the prayers and songs that we find in the book of Psalms. Several of those Psalms were written specifically when he was on the run from Saul. And I want to read a few of those to you. Some of these may be familiar, and perhaps you'll hear them differently, understanding David's circumstances. And maybe you could take some of these words and apply them to your situation. Here's a few examples. This is Psalm 7, 8. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. This is a great verse for those of you who are trying to do the right thing, but your boss keeps tearing you down. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my integrity. Psalm 31, verse 13. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. This is a great verse for those of you who are being gossiped against. The boss is talking bad about you. You keep your eyes fixed. I trust on you, God. You're my God. Psalm 34, 12. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. 
This is a great verse for those of you who are feeling tempted to just lash out. Psalm 52, verse six, the righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at you saying, here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. This is a great verse for those of you who, who it seems like all of your coworkers who don't give a rip about any of the things of God are thriving. Stay focused, let the righteous say, God, you are my God, and everybody who trusts in anything else is going to come to ruin. One more, Psalm 27, 12. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. This is a great verse for those of you who feel like quitting on your job and quite frankly, quitting on God. Wait for the Lord. Remain confident, you'll see his goodness. These verses were likely written by David while he was running from Saul. And do you just see the things that God was developing in him? God was developing things like endurance, patience, dependence, and how to lead when you don't have the title. And God may be forming something in you as well. Remember, sometimes God intentionally puts us under bad leaders to train us how to become good leaders. God may be doing that with you right now, but you'll miss it if you just focus on leaving. Don't miss the lesson. Dig in what God is trying to teach you. <clears throat> Excuse me, the first thing, how to reply to a difficult boss, focus on learning, not on leaving. Here's the second, focus on respecting authority, not on receiving authority. You know, when Boss Bob sat me down to share with me his brilliant idea of demoting me, my first reaction was, you know, if I were in charge, I'd fire you, I'd fire her, I'd fire him, I'd do the whole thing differently. And that's how we often feel, right? God, just give me the chance to, to, wear, to, to wear the crown. I'll get this place straightened out. You know, there's an organization called Kronos who did this workforce study with 3,000 employees all over the globe. And one of the questions they asked was, how many of you think you can do your boss's job better than them? How did the Americans respond? Seven out of 10 said, I could do my boss's job better than they could. Of course you can. If you were in charge, the company would run much better, the employees would work much harder, and no one would ever complain about you being the boss. Isn't that how we feel? God, God just give me some authority. And that's what I was saying to God, but what I felt like God was trying to teach me was, no, you need to learn first how to respect authority before you receive authority. Because God's put all of us under authority. Again, let's look to David and see how he responded. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. Again, an example of a bad boss here in Saul dedicated 3,000 soldiers, the company resources, not to fight his enemy, but to fight his employee. Again, talk about taking your eye off the ball. At this point in time, David was no longer alone. He had some others who came to his side. And David and his men were often one step ahead of Saul. But it was amazing how many times Saul came this close to catching them. And this was one of those examples, verse 3. 
He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. This is a pretty funny story. So King Saul needed to use the restroom. So he found the most private cave he could find, put a couple of soldiers to guard the entrance, and went in to go do his business, having little knowledge that David and his men were sitting in there. So here comes Saul with his newspaper under his arm. He starts disrobing in this cave, and the soldiers are like, this guy is totally vulnerable. Let's kill him right now. It's gift wrapped to us, David. All you got to do is take him out. I mean, in this particular situation, any of those guys could have snuck up behind him and killed him like nothing. I mean, even if he, he was struggling and grunting, the soldiers guarding the entrance probably would have just thought he had a bad burrito for lunch. You know, they could have taken him out like that. But how did David respond? Continues in verse 4. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. And with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul, and Saul left the cave and went his way. This is a great verse for somebody to hold on to who's really struggling with being under authority right now. The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. You could replace that word master with boss, supervisor, parent, Listen, God puts authority figures in all of our lives. All of us are under authority. I'm under authority, even though I'm the boss here. I'm accountable to a board of overseers that we call elders. Believe it or not, I don't get to do what I want, when I want, how I want. I'm under authority. So are you. For some of you, that authority is a parent, a teacher, a coach, the owner, a doctor, How do you respond to the authority that God has placed in your life? David had an opportunity to totally disrespect the person that God put over him, but he chose not to. You know, the Apostle Paul, speaking of elders, actually instructed the elders of his day to teach this to the church. This is Titus 3, verse 1. He said, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. The command is for all followers of Jesus to respect the authority that God puts over you. Now, does that mean you can disagree with the authority above you? Absolutely, just do it respectfully. Does that mean you could stand up to the authority that's over you? Absolutely, just do it respectfully disrespecting authority is outside of the commands of Scripture. And if you're a follower of Jesus, are you respecting those that God has placed over you? You know, for for David, there Saul was, gift-wrapped to him, but instead he cut off a piece of his robe. Why did he do that? Well, after Saul and his men got far enough away from the cave, David jumped out and started yelling. Listen to what he said, 1 Samuel 24, verse 11. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe but did not kill you. 
See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. At this moment, every single soldier would have looked down at Saul's robe and saw, sure enough, there is a piece missing, held in David's hand. And all of them in that moment would have looked at David and said, that is a man of integrity. That's a man who respects authority, which is why David did it. To show to Saul, I'm still under you. I'm a man of character, see? And when you live that way, it has an impact on others. Look at how Saul responded to this. Verse 16, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. And then off Saul went to leave him alone. And three chapters later, tried to kill him again. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but David respected the authority above him. In fact, he not only had this opportunity to kill Saul, he actually had a second one. One time, him and his men crept up on Saul's camp while they were asleep, and they could have killed him again. But David once again used the phrase, I will not lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. And you know what I find fascinating about that phrase? David, too, was the Lord's anointed. We learned about it in part one of the series. God rejected Saul as king, and so he had the prophet Samuel anoint a new king, which was David. At any point in time, David could have justified bad behavior towards his boss by saying, hey, I'm the anointed one, too. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And in your jobs and at your workplaces, if you feel disrespected, you could probably justify a whole lot of bad behavior. You could justify rolling the eyes and, and purposely doing a sloppy job to make your boss look bad or making power plays to get your boss fired. You could do that. Or, out of respect for God, respect the authority God has placed in your life. And when you live this way, People will take notice, which leads me to my third point. How to reply to a difficult boss? Focus on being an example of persistence, not an example of resistance. Now, again, at your workplaces, if you get offended or overlooked or somebody doesn't listen to your idea and you feel disrespected, the gut reaction we all have is, I said, I'm taking my ball and going home. Okay, you don't, you don't want my opinion? Fine, don't ever ask me again. Don't, don't expect my help. And, and the spirit of resistance begins to well up in your heart. That every time your boss asks you to do something, you, you push back or you're insubordinate or you, you drag your feet. That's, that, that spirit of defiance, that's not healthy. And every time the boss offers an instruction or a correction or even walks in the room, you feel it, that you just want to push back against everything. But listen, your coworkers are watching you. They're watching how you're gonna handle this latest challenge. They're watching your verbal and nonverbal language. And you're gonna be forced to ask yourself the question, what kind of example do I wanna leave? Do I wanna be an example of someone who persists or someone who resists? Again, let's go back to the life of David. What's interesting about David to me is that at no point in time did he ever have to speak up for himself. Other people spoke for him. Listen to how highly other people spoke about David. Let's start first with his friend. 1 Samuel 19, verse 4. Jonathan spoke 
well of David to Saul his father and said to him, let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you for what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Listen to how David's priest spoke about him. 1 Samuel twenty-two fourteen. 14. Ahimelech answered the king, who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected in your household? Can, would anybody talk that way about you? Even David's boss spoke highly of him. 1 Samuel 24, verse 17. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. Verse 20. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. David never spoke bad about his boss. He never spoke up for himself. And other people took notice. Check out this. 1 Samuel 22, 2. All those who are in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. David never had to build his brand. He never had to walk around the kingdom and convince everybody about what a terrible boss that Saul was. And even though Saul tried to turn everyone against him, David never had to go find authority. Authority found him. 400 top soldiers were like, I cannot follow Saul. But David, we could follow you. Because we've seen you're a man of integrity. Saul is a blubbering mess. He's emotionally all over the map. He doesn't keep his word, but we've seen you and we want to follow you. What kind of example are you going to leave? Because your coworkers are watching. And consider this. The people who work with you could someday be the people who work for you. And how you treat your boss is probably the same way they are going to treat you. What kind of example will you have left them? But more importantly, when you live, live, leave a good example, that opens up a gospel window in somebody's life. When they look at you and say, you're different. You don't behave like everybody else. What's different about you? And that's when the opportunity is there to share with them. What's different about me is Christ in me. Because naturally, this is not how I am. I want to yell something. I want to post something. I want to hit something. That's who I am. But Jesus in me is helping me get through this. You know, Jesus and David had a lot of interesting similarities. The crowds followed after David. The crowds followed after Jesus. Those in authority grew jealous of David. Those in authority grew jealous of Jesus. The leader plotted to kill David. The leaders plotted to kill Jesus. David eventually became king. Jesus eventually became king. But here's where Jesus stands alone. Jesus didn't run for his life. He laid down his life. He willingly handed himself over to his captors. He didn't fight. He didn't try to defend himself when false accusations were leveled. He didn't try to talk his way out of an unjust arrest. He, he didn't quit 
despite harsh physical abuse. He didn't complain despite unspeakable pain. And on top of all of this, he never even uttered a single bad word towards his aggressors. In fact, he even prayed for them. Listen to Luke 23, 33. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Who does that? The Son of God, that's who. The true, sinless God in the flesh, and the same Jesus who was able to forgive the very people who were killing him is the same Jesus who could do this work in your heart. Can you imagine forgiving the people who hurt you? Can you imagine loving your boss, loving your coworkers, loving others? It feels impossible, but this is what Jesus can do when he transforms your heart, but it begins with a relationship. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? So many of us are barely scraping by, bitter at our bosses, bitter at our coworkers, bitter at our jobs, feeling empty inside, wondering what's missing. Here's what's missing a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have one, let's get that figured out today. In just a moment, I want to lead you in a, in a simple prayer that you could repeat in the silence of your heart. It's just a prayer of inviting Jesus in and saying, Jesus, I, I want you to come into my life. I'm confessing my sins to you and, and believing in faith that you are who you say you are and I'm, I'm committing to follow you. If, if you've never intentionally prayed a prayer like this, I'm not just talking about acknowledging that Jesus was a historical figure. I'm talking about intentionally inviting him into your life. Then I want to help you do that right now. I want to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you want to pray to receive Christ into your life, then I want you to repeat after me as we pray, just in the silence of your own heart. I'll give you the words, but you have to pray them in faith. So let's do that at this time. Jesus, today I invite you into my life. Just pray that right back up to heaven. Jesus, today I invite you into my life. No more running. Today is the day I give you my life. I believe you died in my place. And I ask that you forgive me of my many sins. Wash me clean. Change my heart so I could leave my old life behind and follow you in new life. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I want to encourage you to let somebody know about it. One simple way to do that is on the programs you received is a perforated card. At the bottom it says, I said yes to Jesus. You can check that box and fill it out. Tear this off and in just a moment our ushers are gonna come through to collect today's offering. Just drop that slip right in there. For those of you who have already prayed to receive Christ but you're wondering, what's next? What do I do now? I wanna encourage you, before you leave here, out in the lobby is a table that says next. Stop by there. There's, there's plenty of ways for you to take your next step. Maybe it's joining a small group. My small group meets on Sunday nights. I want to encourage you to be in a small group too. Maybe you want to get more involved in volunteering or, 
or you want to talk with somebody about your faith, you need some assistance, whatever the case is, stop by that next table. Or you can also grab your phones and text NEXT to 909-281-7797. One of our staff people is on the other end of those text messages, and they're ready to interact with you to help customize what that next step is going to look like. Text NEXT to 909-281-7797. Keep going. Listen, we're going to encounter lots of difficult people in our lives. Next week, we're going to talk about how to reply when the problem is your spouse or significant other. So be thinking right now who you want to invite with you to church and hear an encouraging message from God's Word about how to help you with relationship problems. But until then, we still have a lot of difficult bosses to contend with. And I know there's a lot of people who are considering quitting and changing careers. Right now, what's going on in our country, they're calling the great resignation. People are leaving their jobs en masse. Maybe God wants you to focus on learning, not on leaving. Maybe God has intentionally put you under a bad leader to train you how to become a good leader. Don't miss the lesson. And maybe what God wants you to focus on today is respecting authority, not on receiving authority. And I know you could do the job better than the boss, and maybe you're being disrespected, but out of respect for God, respect the authorities he's placed in your life. And be an example of persistence, not an example of resistance. Many scholars believe David could have been as young as 10 years old when he was anointed as king. He didn't become king until he was 30. That means it's possible that David waited 20 years for Saul to eventually die off and for him to see the promise that God had for him. 20 years. God will sort it through in his time. In the meantime, your coworkers are watching. You give them an example of what it looks for, like for a Christ follower to endure trials. Saul was a horrible boss. He was hot-headed, he was impulsive, he was jealous, he was insecure, he was an emotional roller coaster, and he never kept his word. He totally lost focus, but David maintained his, and you can too. So keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You can't control how somebody else acts, but you can control how you act, and don't let a bad boss cause you to lose focus. Amen? Amen. Why don't you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you for examples of people just like us who, even though they've gone through different circumstances, we know the root causes are the same, and it's our hearts, and we ask for help. I know so many people in here are struggling in their jobs, struggling with their bosses. In fact, right now, if you're somebody, you're saying, Pastor, I'm really wrestling with my job, my boss, my workplace. Will you pray for me? Would you put your hand up so I can know? Just slip your hand up right now. Pastor, pray for me. I'm wrestling at my job. I'm having a difficult time all around the room. Hands up. Lord, I pray for these men and women. God, give them the strength to persist. Teach them. Form something in them, God. Give them exactly what they need to respectfully live under the authorities you've put them, put them under, God. So please, we need your grace. If you're somebody today who you prayed to receive Christ into your life, you prayed that prayer today, would you lift your hand so I could see around the room and pray for you? Just lift your hand up. Just say, today I, I said yes to Jesus, Pastor. Just lift up your hand. Yep, I see you right in the middle. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, thank you. Lord, for these men and women, I just ask, Lord, that 
Today would be a day where things change in their life, where they'd see, feel something inside that's different, a new power, your your spirit is now in us to help us do things we never thought was possible. Lord, we, we commit them now in your hands. Father, we need you. This is not about us, it's about you. So we pray that in whatever we do, in word or deed, that we would do it all to the glory of God. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. And if you believe in your heart, then let the church say, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.